Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Again, welcome to those of you who are watching online. Welcome to our McKinney campus. We're glad to have you today. Let's welcome them together this morning. You know, it's hard to believe that the Christmas services are, are, are just next week. I, I don't know what your house is, is like, but our house is in full Christmas mode. Um, there's boxes everywhere and um, got a garage full of them. My kids this year, we said, what do you guys want for Christmas? And they said, we want room makeovers. I thought, well, that, that, that's cool. Until I realized who was going to be doing the makeover. And uh, so I've spent the last three days looking up at the ceiling of our kids and painting. And I haven't complained one bit, not at all. It's been awesome. And uh, so it's been great. That's what's going on in our house. I preached last night and I got home and my wife said, how'd it go? I said, it went pretty good. She goes, okay, get in your clothes uh, that you can paint and get to work. So... There's no rest uh, for the weary, but uh, this morning we're going to be continuing and wrapping up our series, Believe. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 43 through 50. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 50, and we've been looking at the life of Mary, and uh, we've been looking particularly at her story and how she's responded um, to, to what God has said. Uh, she responded in faith, and that's what this series is all about. Before I jump into the text, though, um, you know, Pastor Jeff has been sharing a little bit about some Christmas things going on at his house, and, and I just wanted to, to represent uh, for the Bayou Boys, the Cajuns that are in the house, me and Pastor JP. Uh, we hold it down for the Louisiana people, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a Cajun Christmas. It's a little bit different than uh, traditional Christmas, and uh, you know, there are a few things that are different about a Cajun Christmas. I think the first and the obvious and probably the best thing about it is the food. Anybody love Cajun food in here? It's amazing. It's awesome. If you don't like Cajun food, something's wrong with you. But, uh, you know, most people, they might have a traditional ham or a turkey. And we just like to one-up people. So we'll, we'll take a chicken and we'll stuff it with some crawfish etouffee. Come on, somebody. And then we'll take that and put it in a duck. And then we'll take that and we'll stuff it in a turkey j j just to one-up everybody, you know. But uh, our traditional Christmas uh, Eve meal is gumbo. And, and, and it's, uh, we usually have a seafood gumbo, which I love personally. And then we also have a chicken and sausage gumbo. And so you got all the appetizers. You got the boudin, come on, and you got jambalaya. You got all that stuff going on. It's great. So the food is awesome. But the atmosphere, the atmosphere is, 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 is awesome as well. You'll walk into a Cajun's home and you'll see a Christmas tree and uh, it's black and gold, who that nation people. It's, uh, it could be purple and gold. It's probably gonna have a few Mardi Gras beads hanging off of it. There'll be some fleur-de-lis on, uh, on the walls, probably about 20 crosses. A picture of Jesus will be there as well. It's amazing. You'll have some Zodico music going on and it's really loud. And I remember the first time my kids uh, went where all of our family was together back home in Louisiana and they were walking around covering their ears and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, why is everyone so mad at each other? I'm like, what are you talking about? No one's mad. They go, why is everyone yelling? I'm like, oh, they're just excited. It's just the way it is. And it's the more the merrier. You know, growing up, 
uh, you know, your, your mom would be cooking, your aunts, and, you know, they would get together and cook in the kitchen. And then, you know, somebody in the family would call and say, what are y'all cooking tonight? Well, we having a sauce pecan or we having a catfish coubillon or something like that. And they're like, what time do we need to be there? People just show up. And at Christmas time, you know, the neighbors will just show up and it could turn into a block party real quick. And so it's awesome. The more the merrier. But the language also is a little bit different. We get together and we talk real fast and we get excited. And uh, I've worked really hard over the years to, to try to lose that, especially in student ministry. They're like, you talk a little bit funny. So I tried to lose it. I'm getting older now, so I'm just fully embracing it, you know. And so uh, the language is great. And, and I remember one of the first times right before me and my wife got married, uh, we went to a, a home that she was staying in at the time. And, and uh, we went to get her, her uh, stuff. And, and uh, I pull up and she's going to get out of the car. And I rolled down the window and I was like, hey, do you want me to get down? She said, excuse me? I said, do you want me to get down? She's like, what? By this time, I'm getting mad. I'm like, do you want me to get down? She goes, like, get down? I'm like, no, do you want me to get out of the car and go inside with you? She goes, no, I'm good. Why don't you speak English? But we love uh, traditional Christmas, but we also love a little spice in our Christmas as well. Uh, two of the four gospel accounts do not actually mention the birth of Jesus. Matthew does, and so does Luke, and Luke is where we've been in this series. Mark starts off, and it's John the Baptist in the wilderness preparing the way for Jesus. But this morning in John, John starts off and it says, In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John starts off letting us know that Jesus is God, that he came from heaven. It's, it's the incarnation. God came close to us. And, and, and the, the closest scripture we have to the actual birth account in the gospel of John is found in verse 14. And it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And that's good news for us today. Not only did Jesus come as a baby, but that baby grew up and he came close to us so that we could have a relationship with his father because of the sacrifice that he would make on the cross. And, and we've been talking about believing and trusting and putting our hope in Jesus. And, and I believe as you begin to walk with God, you start off with basic faith. There's, there's saving faith, but there's, there's a faith that, that you have for your own life, and that's for God to meet your, your needs and, and, and the things that you're concerned with, and you begin to pray for things in your life, and we should do that. We should believe for our family. We should believe for provision, and, and, and that's great. But that's really basic faith. I believe that the highest form of faith that we find in the Scripture is not faith for oneself, but it's faith for other people. Because God doesn't want to just walk, work in your life. God wants to work through your life to reach and touch other people. In the scriptures, we see certain themes and certain patterns. And one of the patterns that we see in the scriptures is this idea of come and see. We see that people have an encounter with Jesus. And if you've ever really had an encounter with God, you know that it marks your life. And if you've ever tried to reach out to someone or maybe express to other people what you've experienced, you might not be able to put it into words. 
Or maybe you've had a discussion with someone who doesn't really believe in Jesus and they have all these questions and, and maybe you feel like, I don't really have the answers to their questions. You don't have to have the answers. What you can do is say, hey, I don't know about that, but, but why don't you just come and see for yourself? Because God created our human hearts and our souls to experience him. And when a person gets in the presence of God, there's something that the presence of God does that no answer from a human mouth can do. We see also where, where there were friends who had a, had a loved one who was sick and, and Jesus is healing people and, and they would do whatever they could do, even cut a hole in a roof to get their friend to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online or maybe you're there in McKinney and you're believing God for someone in your life, a loved one, a coworker, a family member, a friend, to experience Jesus this Christmas. The good news is that this story we're about to read gives us hope that Jesus sees people where they're at. He knows exactly what they need and he's the one who can do in the heart what man can't do. And what we need to do is just partner with God and reach out to people and have faith to say, man, just come and see and experience for yourself. So we're gonna read this morning in John chapter one, verses 43 through 50, let's read together. The next day Jesus declared or decided that he was gonna leave from Galilee and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, said Nathanael, can anything good come from there? Philip said, come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. There are a couple things that I want to point out in this story. The first thing is the relational dynamic between two family members, two brothers. And the Bible tells us that Philip, he encountered Jesus. And like any person who has a loved one that you care about, you want to get them to Jesus to experience what you've experienced. And so he sets out to find his brother. And, you know, relationships are tricky. And people are dynamic, and especially when it comes to family members a lot of time. We all probably have family members that you can think of right now that, that you want to experience Jesus this holiday season. And, and you know that if you would step out and that you would invite them to come to church or, or you would reach out to them that you might face some resistance. Well, Philip faced a little bit of resistance from his brother, Nathaniel. And he says, listen, we found the one that Moses and the law of the prophets spoke of He's, he's Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, can anything good actually come from there? And he says, listen, you just got to come and see for yourself. So reluctantly, Nathaniel follows his brother. 
And Jesus knows exactly where Nathaniel's at in life. That loved one, that family member, that coworker, that person that you're concerned about, you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers to their questions. You don't have the solution to their problem. But Jesus knows exactly where they're at. He knows what's going on in their heart. He knows their hurts. He knows their pains. He knows the confusion in their mind. He knows exactly where they're at. And Jesus saw Nathaniel and he spoke to Nathaniel only in a way that he could to where it brought revelation to Nathaniel. And he said, truly you are the son of God. And the other thing that I love about this story is it's not just about him encountering Jesus. He said, you believe because I, I said I saw you under the fig tree. He said, listen, there's going to be a whole lot more in store for you as you continue to walk with me. And if you're here today and maybe you've never really experienced Jesus for yourself. See, Jesus knows exactly where you're at too. He knows exactly what you're thinking about, what you're concerned about. He knows what's going on in your life and he's the one who has the answers. Our, our, our thesis statement for this message this morning is, what you believe about God determines how you relate to others. See, what we believe about God, if we believe that he is a come and see kind of God, then that affects how we relate to people. That affects how we see people. That affects the heart that we have towards those Jesus loves. I, I believe that this is not theory for me, this is, this is personal, because I experienced Jesus at 19 years old, and, and I really wasn't living a lifestyle that, that, that was, was pointed in that direction. I, I wasn't really thinking about God. He was really the last thing on my mind, but I had this encounter with God. And I remember a friend came over, and I began to talk to my friend about what happened. And he didn't have any answers. I was asking all kinds of questions. I was like, I know that I experienced Jesus. How can someone so sinful, someone so far off the reservation like I am, experience what I experienced? I mean, if God is holy, why would he come to someone like me and reveal himself? And he didn't have any answers to my questions, but, but he, he knew someone who had some answers. It was his mother. And his mother was a, a, was a strong Christian woman. She's made a profound impact in my life. And he's, he, he, he called his mom and he said, listen, Here's what happened with Tyron. I don't have the answers to his questions, but I know you're close to God. Can we come over? She said, absolutely. So we drove to his mom's house that night. And for three hours, she opened up the scriptures to me and began to answer to the best of her ability every single question that I had. And the thing is, I sat in her living room crying, sharing my heart. She prayed with me. And it was in that moment that I realized God is not distant. The God's close. And it was because of that come and see mentality that he had. I'm going to bring you to someone I know who is closer to God than I am. And God's going to meet you right there where you are. And it was because of that moment that I decided I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to go all in. And I don't know if that is, is, is similar to maybe your story or your experience. But there are people all around us everywhere. Maybe people on your street, maybe people that you, you're working with, maybe family members, maybe someone in your home. And sometimes during this time of year, during the holiday season, people can feel especially lonely. They can feel overlooked. 
In fact, I know what it's like to spend a holiday away from your family and you have no way to get there and all your friends and your roommates are kind of going off to do the holiday parties and you're there alone. I know what that feels like. And there are people all around us. They might not be by themselves, but they feel alone. But Jesus knows exactly where they're at. You know, thinking about, you know, opening Christmas presents and, and I'm sure your trees got, you know, presents under there. And, and when you're a kid, you're not really concerned about what you're going to give. You're concerned about what? What you're going to get. You hope that mom and dad, you know, got that gift for you and you try to open up those presents. And, and when you're young, you want to open up your siblings' presents too. But, but as you get a little bit older, you, a switch begins to happen. It's not so much about what you're going to get. It becomes more about what you're going to give. There's something about uh, giving someone a gift and you see their eyes light up and their gratitude and it does something to your heart. Well, really it's the same way when it comes to our faith. At first we begin to walk and it's all about what, what God can do for you. It's all about the needs that you have in your life that you're believing God to meet. But as you begin to walk with God longer and longer, your eyes begin to get off yourself. You begin to think about those around you. You begin to think about your loved ones. You begin to think about your neighbor. You think about people who are away from God and you want them to experience what you've experienced. Your eyes begin to shift from yourself to other people. Now, none of this really makes sense unless we have God's heart. And I believe that it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit for us to be able to see people the way that Jesus wants us to see them. I don't know if you've taken an inventory of your life, uh, but, but I know for me that I'm really concerned about my life. I'm really concerned about what's going on in my world. And left into myself, I will stay focused on just my immediate needs and my family, but we need Jesus to help us to lift our eyes up to see people around us. We need him to give us his heart for people. Every single person, we all need open heart surgery done by the hands of the great physician, Jesus himself, to give us this kind of faith, faith for other people. See, loving people and seeing people the way Jesus desires us to see them is something that we cannot do on our own. We have to get in God's presence. We have to ask God, and I pray this kind of prayer all the time. Jesus, I need you to help me love people. I need you to help me to see people the way that you see them, God, because God, I, I just can't do it in my own self. And when you get God's heart, it begins to change the way you see others around you. People aren't just, you know, an inconvenience maybe like they used to be. They're not just someone who maybe gets on your nerves and we all maybe have that coworker, that friend, or maybe we have a family member that just kind of grades against you. When you get God's heart, you begin to see them for who they really are. A child of God created in his image and his likeness and God loves them so much. Those of you who've given your life to Jesus, I want you to think back to that moment when you first gave your life to Jesus. When you first encountered him, how did you feel? I know for me, in that moment when I gave my life to Jesus, I was totally overwhelmed. I, I could not believe that God loved me so much. I could not believe that God was actually close. 
I was walking my life previous to that moment thinking that he's distant, he's far off, and in any given moment, he's going to strike me on top of the head with lightning because of the way that I was living, but I realized in that moment that he loved me. Even when I didn't love myself, even when I was doing things that I'm not proud of, Jesus came close to me. That's how he feels about every single person on the planet. It doesn't matter their background, doesn't matter what they've done, it doesn't matter their past, it doesn't matter their current situation. He cares about them so much. This God, this Jesus who was in heaven came to earth. He was born a baby. He grew up, he was all God, all man, lived a sinless life and he went to the cross and he paid the price, not just for your sins, but for everyone. That's the heart of God this Christmas season that we would come close. Now, sometimes what happens is when you give your life to Jesus, there's a few different phases that you may walk through. The first initial phase is the excitement phase. It's like, wow, I cannot believe like this is awesome. And you're praying for like parking spots in the mall and front row parking just opens up and you're like, cha-ching, this is awesome. My life is gonna be great. It lasts for about a week and he stops answering those kind of prayers. But this initial excitement, and you just can't wait to get in your Bible and get to church, and man, it's awesome. But something happens over time if you're not careful, is that you fall into what I call the second phase is, is a religious type of phase. And this phase is, it becomes less about just the pure joy and excitement of being found in Christ and having a relationship with him, and, and you get puffed up in knowledge if you're not careful. And you start to look at people in a different light. You start to see people walk in and you forget how you came in and you start to see people and go, man, they're really messed up. I don't know what are they wearing. Like, oh my God, like why is his hair like that? He's got so many tattoos. And you start to lose sight of really where you came from. God took each and every one of us out of the miry pit. He rescued us and he set us on a firm foundation, the rock of his word. And if you're not careful, we can get so concerned and, and, and caught up in religious activity that we can be cynical and critical of people. And if you find yourself in that position, you, you, you notice real quick that you're not effective. You're not really reaching anyone for Jesus. In fact, people look at your life, because I know I was this way at one point, and they, 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 you kind of push people away. Then the Holy Spirit gently convicts you, which leads you to the third phase. And the third phase is where you begin to fight to get back to the place where you were at the beginning. The childlike faith, go, Lord, I need you to help me, God. Help me to see people the way that you want me to see them. And God, use me in any way you say fit. And I believe if we get to that place, we can be really effective for Jesus. What happens, though, when we get God's heart? Well, the first thing, and you can fill this in on your notes, is it changes the way that you see people. It changes the way you see them. Second Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15, the apostle Paul writes, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, and here's the key, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for them who was raised again. And that's the goal. 
That's the goal is once you're saved and once you're found in Jesus, the goal is your eyes are off yourself and now I'm not living for myself, I'm living for something greater. I'm living for a higher purpose. I'm being used by God for something bigger than myself. It's to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around me. You don't have to have all the answers to the questions. You don't have to know everything, but you just need the heart of God to see people the way that God wants you to see them. I believe that one of the reasons that that God gives his children is to help us to understand his heart. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have a few times, but if your kid ever comes home from school and you say, well, how was your day? Wasn't very good. Well, what happened? Well, so-and-so did this and maybe a kid violated them or punched them or hurt them. Um, you, You lose your mind real quick. Mama bear turns into mama beast. And daddy turns into something that's not good and begins to walk out the door and the wife goes, where are you going? I'm about to go kill a 12 year old. That's about what was, you're a pastor. I'm like, why you gotta keep bringing up the pastor thing? Can I have a day off? No, you need to go spend time with Jesus. Because something that, when it happens to you, man, you want everything in your ability to be able to protect your kid because somebody violated your kid and you're like, they can't really do anything about it. Lord, you are the God of miracles. Make me a 12 year old boy right now, Jesus name. But you realize it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get with your son or your daughter. Maybe they're having difficulties with a friend or something's going on, but it's an opportunity to help them understand God's heart for people. And God works on you first because you go, Lord, help me. And God, I gotta see this kid in the right light. And I've gotta help train my kid to, 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 to see people the right way. And so your quiet times at night or the bedtime prayer turns into, tell me about what's going on. Tell me about this situation. Well, they did this and they did that. Well, you know what, son? We really don't know what their home life's like. We really don't understand what's going on in their world. Well, you know, that's true. Maybe there's something going on that's causing them to act that way. And all of a sudden, you can help them understand God's heart for people. Probably every one of us in this room, those of you at McKinney, those of you watching online, we've probably had someone at some point violate us, hurt us, do something that, that, that was you know, uh, going against what they should have done to us. And we all have the opportunity to get offended. We all have the opportunity to be upset, to box that person out. But we gotta go to God in those moments to go, God, help me to see this person the way that you see them. Help me to pray for them, help me to love them. And it's amazing when you do that, again, it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. When you do that, you begin to understand the way God sees people. The second thing that happens when you get God's heart is it affects the way that you serve them. It affects the way that you serve them. Ephesians 5 says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Jesus wants us to walk in the way of love. You, again, You might not have all the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers. No one has all the answers, only Jesus does, right? And so, but what we can do is we can serve people well. 
We can love on people. I mean, a great uh, way to do that practically this holiday season is if you're coming to one of our 13 Christmas services, 10 here, three in McKinney, uh, a great way to do that is to welcome people and be friendly and create an uh, an inviting environment. It's to say hi to someone because we never know where people are at and what they're going through as they walk through the doors of this church. Simply by extending your hand, say, hey, how you doing? My name's so-and-so, what's your name? Man, it opens up people's hearts to receive from Jesus. You know, when we planted the church about 16 years ago, a little more than that now, there were 32 of us that moved here. And, you know, we, we just kind of got jobs and we moved to this area and we didn't know anyone. And so we were believing God. We believe in God to, to, Lord, to reach people for Jesus and we were believing to cultivate faith in our own hearts for others, to lift our eyes off ourselves and we, we moved our families and we got them here and we got jobs and my wife, who's one of our worship leaders here, she got a job at, at Chili's and she was waiting tables and man, we were just serving people for Jesus, you know, and waiting on tables and smiling, loving people and, and she reached many people for Christ at that time and, and I got a job at Recaro and uh, making aircraft seats and it was an assembly line type deal and so I would spend eight hours a day, five days a week on an assembly line, and, and uh, I had the opportunity to, to really develop my faith, and I had something that's ancient that a lot of young people don't know what it is today. It's called a Walkman and a cassette tape, and they don't know what that is, but back then, I had a whole stack of tapes, tapes about faith and tapes about you know, believing and trusting God, and, and I would sit there day after day listening to about five or six messages a day, and for a six-month period, praying for people, believing God, uh, stirring up my faith, asking God to help me to get the eyes uh, that I have off my own circumstances and get them on the people around me. And, and, And it was amazing that during that season that God began to soften my heart and he began to give me faith for people. And you look at what God's doing today. You look at what's happening in McKinney. You look at what's happening here at our Keller campus and God's just doing amazing things. So many people are coming to know Christ. Young people are being touched. Schools are radically being changed because students are going in with faith. All that started with seeds of faith 16 and a half years ago with a group of 32 people that said, we're just gonna step out and believe Jesus to touch a community. Amen. You know, bringing this to a close, maybe Maybe you're gonna be bringing someone uh, over, the, over the course of our, our services next week. And, and maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend. And you're saying, man, Pastor Tyron, I, I, I want that kind of experience for my friend or my family member. I, I believe that God is a come and see God. And, and I believe in that when they come to one of those services that God's gonna touch them. God knows exactly where they are. And we don't have all the answers. But what we can do is just simply bring people and let God do what he can do. And I believe that God's gonna do that. I believe in McKinney, I believe in Keller, that God is gonna do great things in people's lives. Maybe you're gonna be traveling out of town for the holidays and maybe you're gonna be going and and, and meeting with some family members and maybe there's somebody that you're really concerned about. Maybe there's a family member that, that you know, man, they really need a touch from God. Maybe you're believing that God would use you some way to to be his hands and feet, to be an instrument used by God to touch them. I want us to pray together as a church. 
and believe God because the truth is thousands of people are gonna show up on this campus next week. People during this time of year feel lonely, feel left out, feel underappreciated. And by simply seeing them in the right way, having God's heart and reaching out to them, God can do some amazing things. So let's pray together and believe that God would show up in their lives. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, we believe for those who we love and we care about, especially in this time of year, that we're believing, God, that you would show up in their lives. Lord, you saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. God, you saw me at 19 years old, broken, messed up. You saw exactly where I was. And God, you see where everyone is, God. You know what we need. You're the God who sees all things, God. And so, Lord, we pray together as a church family. And God, we ask that you would touch people right where they are. Lord, we pray for those coming to the services next week. God, we ask that they would experience your presence in a fresh way. We ask that, God, their hearts would be open. We pray, Lord, as we step out to be your hands and feet this holiday season, that you would give us your heart. We would see people the way that you see them, God, that we would be your servants. We would serve them in a different way, maybe than we've done before. And sometimes those simple acts of kindness filled with God's love, it does something to the human heart. And Lord, we love you and we thank you that you're the God who came close and you're the God who saves. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.